Right now, the legislature's not held accountable, the governor's not held accountable, and the State Board of Education, I mean, those people are part-time. They have no staff. Who can legitimately hold them accountable for this giant operation of government? No one in their right mind would. So nobody's accountable, which is probably why people like the system. Alrighty, boys and girls, we are back. We are back here. Uh, and listen, you don't know this, but we do, and now you will too, because we've we've taken several stabs at getting this back off the ground. <laughs> uh, and I keep screwing it up because my connection is bad. So, uh, but we are back as uh, Alabama Politics this week. I am Josh Moon. The other person here is David Person. There we go. There we go. We are. We're doing this thing. We're doing it. Uh, it won't be live for you, but it will be live for us. So, uh, we were off last week as I uh, kind of toured the uh, the country uh, around. Made it through eleven states, I believe. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, uh, we 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 went all around the world. I spent some time out in Colorado uh, for a wedding, and um, then uh, made our way back this way. And uh, well, it was uh, it was an interesting trip. Uh, just to let y'all know, COVID does not exist in Kansas. Hmm. Uh, they uh, they they don't even. Uh, they ain't even heard about it in Kansas. They mm. don't. Uh, I mean, we we stayed at, at a place overnight. Uh, you know, kind of breaking up the trip. We stayed at a place in Kansas, and there were there were no signs for COVID. There were no masks. There were no. There were no. You know, the almost all of the hotels. We were in a hotel chain there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there there was no plexiglass like there were in the other hotels of, in that chain. There was none none of that stuff. But wow. Uh, so listen, if you if you really want to go to a place where COVID doesn't exist, Kansas is your home base uh, so, at this point. So you're telling me basically, or you're telling us basically, that Kansas is like. Uh, is is basically been grafted into the Confederacy because the states of the Confederacy seem yes. to all, or the former Confederacy, all mm-hmm. seem to be in some level of denial about COVID. But you're saying mm-hmm. that they're like leading the way. Oh, Kansas is. I, uh, all right, so we were in Tennessee, Kentucky, uh, Illinois, uh, Kansas, uh, Missouri, um, Colorado, Texas, Arkansas, Oklahoma. In Mississippi, nowhere was as bad as Kansas, as far as we can tell. I mean, and listen, I'm not talking about one one town, okay? Yeah. I'm talking about because we had multiple. So you go across Kansas; it's a barren wasteland of nothing mm-hmm. out there in the middle of the country. And uh, I mean, it there you go for a long time without seeing real civilization there. Uh, but you're as you're going across through there, and, and we stop. Uh, you know, in, in three or four different places, you know, we're, again, we're traveling with a three-year-old. So, you know, you, you make some stops, you know what I mean? You get the, yeah. you know, I got to pee quite frequently from the back seat. <laughs> um, and so, you know, we, we stopped and, you know, we'll get out and listen, in all fairness, we're, we're taking a long car ride here. And so a little, little person, you know, you got to get out and, and give yeah. them something to do, uh, yeah. you know, and we did that, went to some kids museums and whatnot. And, uh, and had a really good time, and she was great. But um, in Kansas, we stopped at probably five or six different places um, a- along the way. And um, 
it, it just, I mean, just going into gas stations, going into restaurants. We ate at a restaurant. We stayed at the hotel. We, um, you know, we, we went to a bunch of different places. Dude, there was nothing. I mean, and, and like there were there were other places where they weren't taking it very seriously, of course, um, where you, you would go into to these places and and nobody would have a mask on. But in all of those places, there were signs, there were safety barriers, there were different things there that uh, let you know that they had at least heard of COVID at some time <laughs> in the past, you know. <laughs> There was nothing. I mean, there was no signage. There was no, uh, you know, there was nothing. There was nothing at these places. It was just amazing to me. I, but you know. well, I I'm stunned because I just I just assumed that that what I see, uh, you know, I was in uh, over the past few days. I've been to Atlanta as well as Birmingham, and of course, mm-hmm. you see pretty much what you expect to see, which is a lot of people not wearing masks. Mm-hmm. But there were also a good number of people who were, and yeah. I just thought that we were at the bottom. Like, like this is this is as crazy no. as we get in this country, where you've got you know forty percent or more of people in a huge public space, you mm-hmm. know, not wearing masks. But you're saying that Kansas is leading the nation. That's what you're telling I, me. Right? As far as I could tell, yes, that is what I, I you know. And listen, I understand. I, even when I say uh, I stopped at four or five or six places, I, I, that's still I understand a limited sampling of of all of Kansas. I get that. Uh, but um, I, I mean, it just I, I'm, what what makes me say that more than anything is that we were at a lot of chain places. You know, like chain gas stations, for example, and uh, a chain, a hotel chain that we stayed at overnight. And there, there were at those places, there was just yeah. there was no signage. You know, that's what got me more than anything mm-hmm. was not the fact that people weren't wearing masks. I mean, I, hell, I'm used to that. Uh, that doesn't that doesn't phase me at all. Uh, you know, in in certain in cir- circumstances, but the the not having those those basic kind of safety pr- protocols or those things where they've just put the sign up you know they, you know please wear a mask or whatever uh it, it, they didn't even bother with that you know okay. to even take that step and that's what that's what struck me as the oddest of the whole trip was that that so, little deal there so I got to ask you one other question about this sure. because I it, it's fascinating to me what about normally in situations that I'm in. When mm-hmm. nobody's wearing masks, there seems to be a real casual environment about COVID with the customers, at least the, the people who are the servers or the service providers. They mm-hmm. seem to be pretty, you know, and I guess, again, for maybe because of corporate corporates regulations mm-hmm. or, or whatever, but they seem to be very meticulous about masking up and at least they appear to understand that we're in the middle of a pandemic. Are you saying that even the people that were serving you, that they didn't have masks? Nope. Not a one. Uh, The people at the hotel were sharing a Coke. (laughs) Good night. night. I'm telling you, it was as if, and here's the bad part. Those people are doing better percentage-wise than we are at getting vaccinated. Uh, so, hmm. you know what I mean? And, and, and so that, that is, um, I don't know. I, you know, this, uh, you know, while, while we're kind of on the topic a bit here, I, have you noticed that, and I just want to get your thoughts about this is we, we've been doing football now 
for for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've been packing stadiums with these people. Uh, I mean, packing them in a lot of cases with folks for a couple of months. I have not seen, uh, and maybe I've missed it. I have not seen evidence that these football games have contributed in any meaningful way to COVID spread anywhere. Right. Right. Have, have, have I missed that? Or are we looking at something where being outdoors is kind of the ultimate defense against COVID? No, I think you're, you're right. I think, I think there are two factors at play. One is that uh, even though I personally don't think it's still smart to be, you know, shoulder to shoulder with, you know, 50,000 other people. The reality yeah, I, I didn't is, like that. I didn't like that pre-COVID, my man. You know, yeah, I, I yeah. want y'all to get the hell away from me pre-COVID. So, right, yeah. right. Yeah. I, and I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. Uh-huh. So I think, but I do think that, you know, the two mitigating factors are A, being outdoors, and B, mm-hmm. hopefully the fact that a lot of people are vaccinated, which does not mean that they can't contract the virus or transmit the virus, but does mean perhaps that it's, the impact on them is minimal enough, hopefully, yeah. that you know they don't have to be hospitalized. And so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm assuming that that's what we're experiencing right now. Yeah, I, I, I think that if that, that if that is the case, that that is that's that's great. Uh, you know, and I think we ought to to talk about it a little bit more. Uh, you know mm-hmm. that that we are we are putting this number of people together, uh, you know, week in and week out, all across the country, and in some areas, uh, you know, frankly, like Florida, for example, uh, in areas that that have been hotbeds for COVID uh, for for a period of time, and still there doesn't seem to be a significant uh, impact on on the communities uh, from from that. Now, again. I, you know, I, I fully admit that, that I could have missed some stories about some things here and, and maybe that's I'm, I'm off base. But from I've looked around and I have not been able to find anything. Uh, so, you know, yeah. yeah. And, and so maybe maybe that's, you know, and there was a lot of there was a lot of angst starting the football season uh, and putting a lot of people in stadiums. Rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not knocking anybody on this. I want everybody to understand. I'm not knocking anybody that that was worried about it is continues to be worried about it or anything else. I'm just saying, uh, just looking at the simple facts of this here, you know, I think it's a good news story if it is as it seems, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and so, you know, but just, you know, cross my mind as we were talking about the COVID stuff here. But um, uh, I know the first thing that we wanted to get to, and we've got a, a good show. we got uh, Dick Brubaker, former uh, Republican state senator on uh, today to talk about some public education issues. And uh, he is currently on the state charter school board. Um, and I, I think since he and some others were placed on that board, things have changed and improved. Um, I am not um, uh, an anti-charter school person. I don't know that charters, I don't think charter schools are the answers that a lot of conservatives think they are, but I do think they hold some answers. But mm-hmm. anyways, we can get to that later. Uh, he's going to be on with us. We're going to talk about uh, the, the education issues and stuff. And uh, we'll also t- talk about uh, the problems that we're having in feeding our kids uh, in our schools uh, now. Uh, but we wanted to start with, there is currently, uh, right now, a committee being chaired uh, by Marika Coleman, uh, who is running for the state Senate, uh, who is currently a, a state representative. Uh, she is chairing a committee that is removing racist language from our Constitution, or at least proposing to do so. Um, they met yesterday. 
they have a plan that was presented by Othney Latham, who is uh, the director of uh, legislative services there that writes most of the bills that you see that come out of the legislature. I mean, they, they don't come up with them. Uh, they take what people give them. Uh, they craft it into a bill that, that meets legal standards and will stand up to legal challenges unless the goal is not to meet the legal challenges, as we so often see with some of our abortion bills and other things. Um, but the um, they presented a plan that's going to remove that racist language from three different sections in our state constitution. Our state constitution is notoriously awful. Uh, and notoriously lengthy, uh, probably the longest constitution in existence in the world. Um, it uh, has, I, I don't know how many amendments at this point, 1,100 or so, I believe, um, and, and just stretches on forever. But uh, the three sections that they are talking about removing deal with the poll tax, uh, they deal with trying to subvert uh, Brown v. Board of Education uh, and, and the desegregation of the schools. Um, and then there, there's also a third one. And, and I, f- I feel like Rick Perry here. I cannot remember the, uh, the, yeah, the third Yeah, it's one. Uh, uh, involuntary servitude. Yeah, involuntary servitude, which was going to be one of my main points. Because, man, if you read through that involuntary servitude portion, it sure as hell sounds like some of the current day situation we have going on with our Department of Corrections. But, you know... Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, those are the those those are the three portions that they are they are proposing to remove, um, you know, I, um, I I guess it's a good thing that they're trying to get those things out of there, although I don't know how much removing the words do when you don't remove the feelings that some of the people still hold. But that's just me. Right. Well, I think I think that's true, and I also think that the other point that you were making, which is really what I wanted to delve into today, Joss, is equally true, and that is that removing the verbiage from the Constitution Mm -hmm. is one thing, but maintaining policies and laws that essentially embody the spirit of those words, uh, you know, to me, makes it a hypocritical, farcical kind of, um, you know, kind of activity. You know, I mean, it's like we're just doing this because we want to look better, because we want to be, perhaps be able to attract more business or something. Yeah, that's, meantime, listen, that's why they're doing it, man. That's 100% yeah. why they're doing it. Well, yeah. some, so, some of them so, are doing it. I think some, some so, have, have good intentions, but others, you know. Right, but I think, but I think that certainly is part of the calculus. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm all for business coming to the state. I'm certainly all for getting rid of racist symbols. Mm-hmm. But, but again... You know, if we're going to maintain practices, as you alluded to, in the prisons that have inmates doing work for next to nothing Mm -hmm. simply because they are inmates, well, hell, we may as well be back to the days of convict leasing, you know, or or even worse, slavery, because that's just that's just a micro that's just a micro sliver of cultural and political difference between you know, what is happening with prisoners in our state when they're being forced to uh, to work under certain conditions and and what we used to do to, to people with slavery and uh, convict leasing. And I would go right down the line and say the same thing is true when you're looking at, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, you look at, okay, so we're going to, we're going to try to address 
uh, the language that was put into the Constitution to circumvent Brown v. Board. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. But in the meantime, guess what? Schools in Alabama are still racially segregated. Yes, probably more so than they were in the 60s. And it, that's right. And, and, and in fact, extensive reporting has been done on that. And anybody who doubts it, all they have to do is look around their city. I live in what is supposed to be the most progressive city in the state, Huntsville, mm-hmm. you know, where the where the uh, the um, the the mantra for Huntsville is one city. OK, but when I look at the school system, I don't see one city. Mm-hmm. I see a city that is divided by race and class in these schools. And it's been that way since I've been here. So removing the language from the Constitution without addressing that is just hypocritical. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree uh, with everything that you said. Um, and, you know, there, there are so many... Well, hell, I mean, even the poll tax situation. I mean, yeah. you know, that's that's essentially what we were trying to set up with the, the new photo ID uh, that that we didn't need. Nobody needed that. Nobody needed the photo ID uh, law that they, they introduced. To, to, you know, it, that was an obstacle. It was a barrier for people of, uh, you know, certain people. Uh, and we saw from the North Carolina case, at the same person that was involved in Alabama helped write the laws in North Carolina. Uh, and that thing... The federal court there said it was, you know, surgical in, in its targeting of of blacks and Latinos in, in in North Carolina, and that's the same thing that was taking place in Alabama. I, you know, I think some changes were made to circumvent uh, the problems that were made that that existed in North Carolina that caused the federal courts to toss that law out. Uh, but it's the same in Alabama. We had a law here that allowed you to take uh, an electric bill, uh, you know, a mortgage payment, something that had your name and address on it, up to prove, you know, who you were. Uh, at the polls. It had worked so well in this state that not one time, not one time in the previous 25 years had there been a case of someone trying to steal somebody else's identity to vote. Not one. Not one of them. The only case there was was a case of a twin sister stealing her sister's uh, vote. Uh, and they found out about it when the twin sister went to vote. That was the only case in 25 years of that. But we changed it. For what reason? We changed it to put an obstacle there that was no really no different than the poll tax. Now, they, they've come out and, and been able to, you know, to make some changes post-implementing the law after they saw what federal courts were going to do to it, and they made some things free. Uh, John Merrill and his staff, we, you know, told everybody that they would go to their house with their uh, whatever and stuff. But, you know, the, the fact remains that when you do that, you put that obstacle there. Uh, that, that requires people to do that. And then you increase the time period between when you have to qualify or when you have to register to vote and when you, the actual election is. And that's exactly what they did. Instead of shortening that time, which everybody mm-hmm. else is doing, they increased that time. So when you do those two things, what you're doing is, is you're telling people, oops, well, now you don't have time to do that. And so now you can't vote. 
and that's, and that's right. what they're relying on to do that. And it was it was shameful, and it's as shameful as what they were doing with the poll tax, and it's as shameful as what they've done with, uh, in a lot of ways, charter schools, breakaway school districts, uh, everything mm-hmm. else to, to circumvent Brown v. Board and to resegregate our schools. Uh, you that's know, right. the the AAA Act, uh, for example, uh, when when that that thing was implemented, oh, we were gonna this is gonna be great for all these underprivileged kids. It was gonna you know we're gonna give them scholarships. They can go to private school. They can go to you know this other school district over here. We'll help pay for them to go to those schools. And then, oops, wait a minute, we're gonna also carve out an exception where those schools don't have to accept anybody. Uh, hmm. You know, and so and, and and also creating creating mechanisms to funnel public money to charter schools away from people, yes. students who were in disadvantage, probably in most cases, overwhelmingly, predominantly minority schools. Mm-hmm. So again, you know, you're paying lip service, in, in my opinion, you're paying lip service by trying to remove racist language, but you're not removing racist, freaking racist policies and laws. Yeah. And, and one other thing about the, uh, the, the, uh, the voting uh, the poll tax, which of course is connected to voting, Josh, and that is, we still have a gutted, we have a gutted Voting Rights Act yep. that that stemmed from a lawsuit that originated in this state. Yep. Yeah. In this state. Yeah. So it's... you know, again, what what kind of what kind of confidence are we supposed to have? You know, we're supposed to be jubilant and joyful and throw a, a damn party because you know they're going to take racist language out no <laughs> now do yeah take the racist language out but you still got a lot more work to do yeah and, and they're not going to do it you know they're not going to because listen that constitution has been used to shape the way we function in this state uh and it has it, i mean you can look back at it and, and don't if there's somebody out there arguing that this constitution is not racist, you, you, I mean, just just get out of here. Yeah, I mean, really, just shut up and 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 move along because it's as racist as anything that's ever been put on paper. All right, uh, and and the way it was presented, and I mean, there's some old Montgomery Advertiser, uh, you know, uh, front pages that that announced this thing and how the state was attempting to protect white supremacy. And that's the headline, okay? The state pro- is wanting to protect white supremacy, and it was not said by the by the Montgomery Advertiser in those days uh, as some sort of a knock on what they were doing. Uh, It was presented as, oh, look at this great thing. We're protecting white supremacy. Um, And and so, you know, that's what that's what this thing is. And that's what it has has been for years. And it shaped our education funding. Um, It shaped our tax system. Uh, It I mean, this is why so many secretaries pay more in taxes, a, a higher percentage of taxes than their bosses do. Um, you know, it's, it, and that's what's been presented for years is, you know, the, the, the lowly worker is paying more, a, a higher percentage in taxes than, than most of their bosses. Um, and I, it's just, it, there is, it's not a salvageable thing in my opinion. Uh, it should right. be trashed and, and and it should be we should start over because I don't think even with the worst of of Republicans and conservatives working on it, I don't think in this day and age it could be anywhere close to as bad as it currently is. Um, hmm. and, and the original document is even with those attitudes 
surviving in some shape or form for all of these many years later. I don't, I still don't think that people would have, even if they believed it, I don't think that many of those people would have the balls or the majority to go in and put that stuff on paper and to, and to recodify a lot of those things that we have in this state through that constitution. Uh, I just, I just don't believe it. Well, you know, there was a movement, as you know, uh, I guess going back, what, 20, 25 years ago to uh, rewrite the constitution. And Mm -hmm. uh, it looked as though it was getting a lot of steam. In fact, a lot of newspapers and other media outlets were actively engaged in promoting the movement and it fell flat on its face and it has never resurfaced. And I think you're right. There's no, there's no aptitude or, or, or interest really in, Mm -hmm. um, um, there's no interest really in, I think I said aptitude, I meant to say appetite, but there's no <laughs> appetite or, or interest in, um, in doing that. And that's yeah. unfortunate. No, you're right. And, and, and I think that's where we do have uh, a problem uh, is I, th- I think that a lot of times uh, the minority of people that want to want to keep these things in place can fool the majority uh, using race and other tactics like they always have. Uh, I mean, that's the reason why we're in the shape that we're in in this state is because we've uh, the rich people of the state have somehow or another fooled the poor white people uh, into believing that their enemy isn't them uh, that's taking 95 percent of their money. But the uh, but the poor uh, black and, and, and Mexican folks that have taken 5% of their money. Uh, you right. know, that's, uh, you know, that, that's who, that's where, where we, this fight has been, has been pushed. And, um, you know, it, it it's just, it, it's, um, it's just a very, very disheartening thing in a lot of ways. Uh, because, you know, 2012, we, we tried to remove this language and people voted it down, uh, you know, yeah. 2012, not that long yeah. ago. And um, it, it's just a, I hope that it works better this time uh, and maybe it pushes things in a direction. Uh, maybe this is the first step um, to, to a better state and a, and, a, and a better constitution and a better operating system than we have. But uh, I have my doubts and, and I'm, I'm, I'm almost certain you do as well. I do. Clearly, yeah. I do. All right. Well, on that high note, let's slide, let's slide out of here. <laughs> well, you know, ending on high notes is not really our thing. That's no, not it's really not. It's not. We just we take the lowest notes and we bitch about them and make jokes. And so that's, uh, you know, that's really more our thing. Uh, all right. Let's, uh, let's slide out of here. We'll get Dick Brubaker in here and argue with him for a few minutes. And uh, then, uh, you know, wrap his baby up. We're back in a minute. Alabama politics this week. The power brokers that determine who gets the shiny campaign set up and who doesn't um, is kind of an old boys club. And we didn't want to have to turn those clients away because they couldn't afford the big consultant minimums to hire a pricey consulting firm. So we created Turn It Blue Digital to give down ballot candidates an option um, and give them a way to look like they know what they're doing, even if they don't always feel like they do. Well, uh, talk about uh, some of the options. Like, uh, give give people an example of, of what you could do if, if they wanted to run for, you know, the county commission, or they wanted to run for, for you know, a state house seat. Right. So the first thing we would do is um, get them started with a launch kit. So this is everything a candidate needs to look um, professional online, to have everything set up and running smoothly. Um, one of my other favorite projects we've been working on, we just rebuilt this platform from the ground up. 
um, is a ad buying platform. So you can go in in 15 minutes for $500 and run your own display ads, run your own video ads, um, and even run your connected TV. Um, so your Peacock, your Hulu, that kind of stuff. How do people get in touch with you? How do, how do they find out what you're all about and, and see the pricing and get signed up? Yep. So we are at turnitbluedigital.com. Um, you can tweet me SCClayton5. Um, you can email me Beth at turnitbluedigital.com. Um, but turnitbluedigital.com is the best way to, to submit that inquiry form and get started. All righty. Welcome back in Alabama politics this week. Josh Moon, David Person, and we are uh, happy now to have in former uh, state senator Dick Brubaker. Uh, he's uh, currently on the Alabama Charter School Board or our yes. Charter School Commission, I guess, is the way uh, is what it is. Uh, but uh, th- thanks for uh, coming in, uh, Mr. Brubaker. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I'm glad that the Charter School Commission is the only part of government that I have to admit to right now. <laughs> That's uh, that. that uh, I, I guess that that jumps us in uh, real quickly into one of the things because I wanted to talk about education, uh, but okay. I also wanted to. Uh, you tweeted, um, I guess a week or so ago now, yep. um, saying that you you've had enough, you've seen enough, and you can no longer consider yourself part of the Alabama Republican Party, and. I guess I wanted uh, to know what led to that and, and, and why you made that decision. Well, there's, I'm telling you, well, first of all, there's, no, there's not much place for people like me right now at this moment. Because you either have to, uh, the Trump wing of the party, if you're not completely sold out to, to that idea that, you know, the election was stolen from Donald Trump, and all that matters is what happened in the last election cycle. Uh, if you're not just completely dedicated to that mantra, they don't mm-hmm. want to talk to you. I mean, that rally they had when they were booing Mo Brooks because he got off script for about 30 seconds. <laughs> and uh, who was the other one they booed? There was another real Trumper up there talking. He, oh, it was Trump himself when he talked about yeah. the vaccine. Yeah, he talked about getting the vaccine, yeah. Right, and so... Uh, you know, the, even the prophet himself is, wasn't immune. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, I, uh, I, don't, uh, I don't do very well in that kind of uh, atmosphere. And then the uh-huh. other side of the party, the people that aren't uh, just completely looking backwards uh, or run, and I'm, I'm mainly talking about the legislature here. Right. I mean, this agenda that goes around, uh, you know, the way they've handled everything from from gas taxes to prison reform to marijuana to uh, gaming is just not what, to me, a conservative, it's not the way the conservative would have handled any of it. And it's just, uh, it's just kind of frustrating. And there's still plenty of Republican politicians. If they ask me for help, I'll help them. But I, I don't think I could... I'm glad I'm not in the legislature right now because I would find that uh, there's just nowhere to land. Yeah. Well, listen, I I sent you uh, the paperwork to join up with the Democratic Party, uh, yeah. and so I look forward to receiving that back from you. And uh, and we welcome you in. And listen, we're happy to have Brubaker Motors as part of the Democrats over here. We really are. It's, uh, <laughs> we've been needing the money, really. You know, it's a shame. You know, you guys, it's just crazy. I mean, 
you know, we've talked about this a million times, Josh. As as time goes on, the mm-hmm. activists in both parties have gotten total control of the primaries. Yeah. And so you've got the most extreme right wing of the Republican Party controlling who gets to run for office on our ticket, but the most extreme left wing of the Democrat Party uh, controlling who runs on their ticket. And I, I just think the ranks of the independents are growing every day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you're probably right about the the independent folks uh, out there. I mean, I think that's why you see people like um, you know Matthew McConaughey, for example, suddenly becoming a popular guy. And uh, and so I think that there is this idea that a more central figure can uh, can have some success. But I, listen, I, I I to me, what's happened with the Republicans and this devotion to Trump? That's crazy. Uh, I mean, if you had told people this six years ago. They would have laughed in your face. I mean, uh, you know, even the even the hardest of uh, line Republicans out there would have laughed in your face if you told them you're you're going to be devoted to this guy from New this New York billionaire allegedly uh, that you know is going to come in and just control the party. It, it just it's so laughable to me to see the way this has just undone. I mean, people have lost their minds really with this. I mean, they well, don't have populism is just. I've never trust. I don't care whether it's Bernie Sanders style populism or Donald Trump style populism. I don't like populism mm-hmm. because it is uh, it. It's always based around the personality. George Wallace is a perfect example. Yeah. And and, and to a lesser extent, even Jim Folsom, uh senior. I mean, Alabamians have always had a weakness for populism. And this is sort of the worst aspects of it here. It's a cult of personality. And if you if you don't and the thing is, he's not a conservative. I mean, Trump did a lot of policy things I thought were good ideas, but I never mistook him for a conservative. And he is a transactional politician. This for me, that for you. And what gets me is especially I mean, I was a religious writer long before most of the people who claim to be these religious rights supporters of Donald Trump. I mean, he's. He's been married how many times? A bunch. Uh, you know, he, he ran a gambling hall. He's a publican, as the Bible would say. <laughs> you know, he's a publican. He's an adulterer. And and he's our guy? Mm-hmm. Come on. Hey, at some point. Uh, and, hmm. But no place to disagree. Yeah. So let me, so, so since you, since you are intimately familiar with the uh, what I'm going to call the other side of the political spectrum, Dick, I got to ask you, you're saying you're coming on here, this podcast saying that that uh, the most extreme uh, uh, activists of the Democratic Party are deciding who is elected. Are you talking about the Alabama Democratic Party or are no, you no. talking about the I, national? If, I think any reasonable person who looks at um, the American political spectrum, we're finding the agendas being, let's put it this way. Most Alabama Democrats that I know, and I know a lot, been in politics a long time, are not uh, as concerned with gender pronouns as it appears a lot of the Democratic national leaders are. And most Republicans I know aren't nearly concerned about uh, 
alleged election fraud in a previous election cycle as the activists uh, that are running the Trump wing of the party. I just think the people in the middle who are concerned about gas prices and food prices and how they're going to educate their kids in both parties are finding themselves outshouted. Well, this is this is what I hear. Well, this is what I hear as I listen to you talk. And and by the way, I'm glad that you're on with us. But I got to be honest with you. This is what I hear. I hear you as a conservative saying that you don't like something that you see on the liberal side, which is fine. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with you having your point of view, just as I would say there's nothing wrong with a liberal having her or his point of view. But of you course. can't tell me. But you can't tell me, though. You cannot tell me that you're equating a debate about pronouns with the asinine and unpatriotic and actually seditious acts of the Trump wing of the party, of the Republican Party. There's absolutely no comparison between the ultimate impact on society between those two things. If you want to take it there, why don't you let's talk about the public statements by Democratic office holders while Antifa was burning down Portland. I mean, if you want to talk about who's running what, you know, let's look at the at, at the now that uh, the Biden is, is in charge of the FBI. And I'm glad they're investigating this January 6th stuff. It should be investigated. But people that actually set fire to cities, you know, I, I don't have people sending. I'm not getting emails or public notices from the FBI saying that if you saw anybody on this film in Portland or Milwaukee, call your local FBI office. So there's plenty to go around. Well, I would first of all challenge you on your association of the people that were uh, burning down buildings with the Democratic Party. They may okay. be on the left wing of the they may be on the left wing of the political spectrum. I'll give you that much, but I'm not going to give you that they were act that they're agents of the Democratic Party. I'm not giving you that. Come on, read, go back and look at Maxine Waters' comments during the riots. And okay, what were her comments? What were her comments? What were her comments? Talk about how we're going to get more aggressive. We have to take it to the streets. I mean, yeah, that's, you know, yeah, yeah. But not, yeah. That's Look, little, let me let me say let me say on that, Josh. Let me let me say on that. Let me say on that. That is a that is a very. I think that is. I'm going to give you credit on this, Dick. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt that you're not familiar with the rhetorical tradition of 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 uh, the black church and the black community taking it to the streets does not mean what you are insinuating that it means and that's not what she meant politicians mo brooks is saying that he was misinterpreted hmm. now i think he could be responsible for saying inciting a crowd mm-hmm. and if there's violence in the streets and a senior public official is saying we've got to get more in their face we've got to get more aggressive we got to get whatever that they're responsible for those comments but mo and mo brooks mo was brooks, wearing a flag and mo brooks was wearing about, a flag jacket mo brooks was wearing a flag jacket shot at but mo was mo also talked about the blood of our forefathers and going out and giving your life for the i mean uh, look There's i, I don't, no comparison. I don't we're necessarily going to going to get anywhere um no i don't think i don't oh, uh, we it. obviously I think, There's no I think comparison. 
we're going to disagree oh, on this. Okay, we're going to disagree. And so we, I don't think we can get very far here, all right, on this issue. But Well, I, I couldn't I let would. that stand unchallenged. I couldn't let that stand I, I, unchallenged. No, I don't. And listen, I think everything has uh, – I, 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 what David, I, you, I think you know me well enough. I, we, you and I agree on everything that you've said. So, uh, and I don't, and I don't agree with uh, with anything pretty much that that Dick has said about Maxine Waters in Portland. But at the same time, at the same time, I do believe that we uh, have some issues with public education in this state in particular um, oh. that I would like to get to. Uh, before, okay. <laughs> and if we want to circle back around and come back to the argument, we we can do that. That's fine. I don't mind. Uh, but before we go completely off the rails, I would like to go. I would just like to talk about those for a second. Okay. Uh, I mean, and then, okay. uh, again, not faulting anybody for anything. I'm uh, because the points yeah. you made, David, were one hundred percent. But uh, all right, I wrote a piece this week about uh, the the issues we're having currently with feeding our kids in schools. Uh, the supply chain has been disrupted. Right. We, we have, nobody seemed to, to know anything about this. Uh, you know, today they had a state school board meeting where they, they again codified the critical race theory uh, ban or whatever, um, and, and that was their main action. What are we doing? Well, I'm going to tell you, you will remember that I resigned my chairmanship trying to get to when the uh, – National Education Reading and Math Assessments came out in 2017, I think. Mm -hmm. And Alabama had bottomed out and was last in the country. Nobody would say anything about it. In either party, the A, the school board had nothing, the state school board had nothing to say. The State Department of Education treated it like a non-event. Neither political party took any notice at all. And remember, these are reading and math assessments where in 2007, we were sort of in the middle of the pack on. Mm -hmm. And now we've tumbled all the way down to last in math, and we were like third from the bottom in reading. And nobody cared. I have no, you know, the only sanity you're going to find in Alabama public education is on a few local school boards that are focused and on task. Mm -hmm. When it comes to state politics, whether we're talking about the people representing teachers or the people representing schools or the bureaucrats, nobody has their eye on the ball as far as student achievement or, and apparently even feeding them. Uh, unless they've changed the law, Alabama school systems have lots of leeway of buying locally if they can't get school lunches through their usual Mm -hmm. uh, sources. And if, and if kids are actually going short, it's because the, the grownups aren't doing their jobs. Mm -hmm. You know, I like, oh, I'm sorry, Josh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead, Dick. No, I, Dick, I think we have found a point of agreement today. Um, I like what you just said. And, and I want to ask you, what do you think the solution is? Because we do have a crisis of, in public education, what's the solution? Well, first of all, you're going to have to get some people who aren't actively anti-intellectuals running the schools. Yes. Mm. Yes. Okay. And, and, and I could go into, and that's, you know, you've got, there is a, there, and I don't want to, 
paint with too broad a brush, but the higher up you go in the food chain and the education bureaucracy, the less concern there is with what we're actually teaching students. And the and it's and you know, and you can say, well, Alabama's a poor rural state, but there are plenty of states that are educating kids from poor rural communities. Mm-hmm. But 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 the secret is it's not it's not magic. They are fanatics about remediation. In those first three grades, every school system that has been turned around, every uh, place where you see disadvantaged kids, especially in more rural settings, uh, achieving some sort of educational quality with their urban, better funded peer groups, are where the people running the schools have focused on remediation, and that's where they put their money, their time, and their effort. We're not doing that in Alabama. We never have. And nobody wants to talk about blocking and tackling. What we do want to talk about is a bunch of side issues. And, you know, there's, you know, if it was up to me, I'm not, I'm trying to find a way to say this where it doesn't sound so damn harsh. Uh, Because I'm not doubting people's goodwill. We've got a system in place where nobody's accountable. Like, you go to a city like Montgomery, Alabama, where I live. I'll talk about my city. That's always safe. Nobody's on the hook for public schools in Montgomery. Nobody. Not the mayor. Not the county commission. We've got a bunch of part-time local school board members who are limited to dabbling on the policy side. And then we've got nobody. So when schools fail, and the most, and I sent Josh the last state scores that I had access to, and mm-hmm. I don't know if he shared them with you or not, but they're pretty, they're pretty depressing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, mm-hmm. I, I sent them to him for every school system in the state. So feel free to get them from him. But they are, I mean, and nobody is being asked questions about it. I mean, the the media has gotten so tired of trying to get public officials to talk about it, they've just given up. Hmm. I mean, the last assessments showed, uh, I'm doing it from memory, but for African-American boys in Montgomery County, I think it was less than 11% of them tested as proficient in math. My God. Oh, it's, it's terrible, man. It's terrible. Well, and I'm, and Josh, if you would get, give him that email, I, would. Get a, I think he'd be interested. But it's that way wow. the state. No. Now, there are some places where it's not that bad, but there's, there are very few places where you call it good. Yeah, the, the best school system in the state. About- the best school system in the state was 50% proficient in math. The well, best. Wow. The best. Wow. And so, wow. I mean, but nobody it's just, talked about it on either side. But doesn't that, let me ask you this. Does, isn't that reflective more so on the voters of this state? I guess you could, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe, but here's what. If you're talking about school funding and local support for schools, yeah, that's part of it. But the other part is that you've got 
parents who have been told that, let's face it, I mean, if you've got, there are public school systems where if you're that parent that is down there standing on the principal's desk, insisting mm-hmm. that your child be educated properly, you know, I hate to say it, but when I was in public office, parents like that get retaliated against. Mm-hmm. And school officials have a lot of ways that they can make it harder for your child, not easier. And -hmm. whether it's black parents or white parents, these bureaucrats feel very empowered to, are we live? No, 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 we're not live. Well, to tell parents to go off, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Listen, no, well, they do. And, and, but Mm. I I think I was speaking more to the, to the, you know, the the lack of outrage about when you talked about the test scores and uh, right. and the problems there, you know, so much of that is driven by public outrage. You know, when the public gets all up in arms about things, well, then all of a sudden some politicians start caring about things. Uh, well, but, did you did your newspaper? Uh, you live in Huntsville, right? I do. Yes. Did, did I do. Times report I do. These, did the Huntsville Times report these scores? Because the Montgomery Advertiser sure as hell didn't. Mm-mm. Yeah, I I haven't seen it. I haven't seen the scores reported. There you go. Yeah. And nobody cares. When I was in the legislature, you know, and these scores came out, I thought, finally, you know, the state press is going to get all over this and, and we're going to have some attention paid to it. Crickets. Mm-hmm. I mean, I called so- every education reporter I could find and said, have you seen these? Yes. Yeah. And, and nobody... You know, because like in Montgomery, you know, we're trying to, the mayor, I, and I give him credit, he's trying to do sort of a, a, a fourth quarter Hail Mary renaissance in Montgomery before it's too late. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, because we've got a lot of things going the wrong way, and he's really trying hard to get some momentum, you know, to polish up Montgomery's image and maybe get some economic growth, which I'm all yeah. for. But the downside yeah. of that is people are reluctant to publicly criticize anything. Hmm. Like yeah. when the schools do a terrible job educating kids, the media just doesn't want to be seen as, be, as, as, as critics. And the Chamber of Commerce doesn't want to be seen as critics. And, the, and so people don't. Have, I think if your average parent understood how the, the cla- how badly the classroom their child is in is failing. I think then we might get some. But you hmm. know, what, I, I say this too. You know, and we 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 talked about this, and, and this is going to land in your area here uh, because I'd also noticed on that the the thing that you sent me that the charter schools in the state aren't doing a, a, any better. Matter, matter of fact, a lot of them Nothing. are doing a hell of a lot worse. Um, uh, there was one in Montgomery that was somehow worse than that 11% uh, number for all students um, uh, in, in every area. Um, so what, what, are, what, what can y'all do for that? Well, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. I've already talked with the chairman of the commission about the school that, that I know the one you're talking about. And, uh, you know, they've got a five-year contract. And, mm-hmm. if, and the good thing about charters is at the end of that five years, in their original contract, their academic targets, they've got to hit. And if they mm-hmm. don't hit them, the school is closed. And I'm going to tell you, I don't know if closing is necessarily the right word, 
but we have got to find a way to make the the people the the principles and and I, I even feel guilty saying that because some of the principles uh, that are that are running our especially these elementary schools that are have too many kids, not enough teachers, uh, especially in Montgomery where some of the underfunding is most apparent are just killing themselves trying to do a good mm -hmm. job. But somebody's got to care, not only how much you care about the children, but are you actually teaching them to read and write mm -hmm. and do their numbers? And, and if, if they thought, if the grown-ups really thought they would suffer a penalty, I think we might find people more interested in this intensive remediation. Because, you know, one thing that one good thing is, you know, pre-K is expanding in Alabama. Mm -hmm. And we are getting kids into schools younger, which gives us a chance, you know, mm -hmm. in K-4 and, you know, in K-5 to, to begin to make some progress. But if you don't, you know, all the Head Start research is clear. Head Start, the places where these Head Start kids continued to get the remediation that they had gotten in Head Start before they, you know, mm -hmm. with it, before they started school, the school system that continued to give those kids that same sort of after-school support, mm -hmm. those Head Start children maintain those academic gains all the way through their school careers. Mm -hmm. The school systems that didn't, by the time those Head Start children were in the fourth grade, you couldn't tell they had they had no demonstrable advantage over a peer, a similar peer that did not participate in Head Start. So for disadvantaged children, the key is hanging in there. And if you can keep kids on grade level until the fourth grade, mm -hmm. statistically, they'll make it. Yeah. So let me let me ask you before we run out of time, Dick, and I, I really appreciate uh, uh, your passion and your insight on this topic. Uh, what um, it, it, my recollection is and, and, and you and Josh correct me if I'm wrong, but my recollection is the last governor that we had. And I'm, I'm going to the top of the state here because I think ultimately this is about the vision that is set by the leader of the state. The last really solid pro-education governor that we had, to my recollection, was Bob Riley. And he seemed to be very um, committed to uh, the, the kinds of things at those beginning years, those early years, uh, that will lead to what we're talking about here in terms of the progress of children as they move forward into uh, uh, becoming young people and adults. Uh, do, do you think it's a leadership problem? Do, is that the problem that we've just had a decline since Bob Riley in terms of the, the caliber of the governors? Or what, what's your thought on that? My thought is this. In states where the governor is on the hook for public education, in other words, in states that have appointed state school boards that serve at the pleasure of the governor, mm -hmm. so voters will blame the governor if the schools are bad. That's what I'm saying. Okay. In okay. The states, the governor spent a whole lot of their time on public education. In states like Alabama, where the governor is only one vote, and everybody in politics knows how little actual control the governor has on the day-to-day -day running of schools. Mm -hmm. Not only are they not on the hook, they don't spend any time on it. 
I mean, governors, Alabama governors very seldom attend many state board of education meetings because they can't control what happens. I agree with you that leadership and accountability is part of the problem. If I could wave a magic wand, we'd have no matter the in his first term, a new governor would get to appoint half the school board. If he gets elected, he should you know, get to appoint the other half if he gets reelected. And they mm. serve at that governor's pleasure. So at the end of a quadrennium, that governor is responsible for what happened in public schools. Right now, the legislature's not held accountable, the governor's not held accountable, and the State Board of Education, I mean, those people are part-time. They have no <laughs> staff. Who can legitimately hold them accountable for this giant operation of government? No one in their right mind would. Mm-hmm. So nobody's accountable, which yeah. is probably why people like the system. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would, yeah. I, I would yeah. say that's probably true. And, and it's always, yeah. always been my argument, you know, when people were blaming the, the board in Montgomery and everywhere else. I mean, we've had, you know, 35 people on that board uh, right. and, and you know, it's always the same. And it's a, there's a reason for that. And it just, well, you know, you know, if I'm going to tell you the biggest thing we do in Alabama, in the state, as far as money is education, mm-hmm. but we don't govern it at all. Yeah. I mean, we don't. And it is the craziest thing. The craziest thing about Alabama politics is not Trump. It's the way we handle our education dollars. Nobody governs it. Hmm. We just throw it out there and let the bureaucracy have it. And then we don't even ask them about the results. <laughs> Test scores are a perfect example. Yeah. It's crazy, Josh, but it's been that way for 30 years. Yeah. Well, we, we we agree, uh, and I, listen. It's it's astonishing to me that, uh, that that you can you can say such really really great things about education and stuff, and then and then hold those other views that you have. You're just, it's just like a, it's just the craziest thing in the world to me that you you hold these other crazy ideas. But listen, I, that's all right. This, makes no, it great. is all right. It's, all, it's uh, we, we appreciate you coming on. We really Absolutely. do. This has been this has been one Absolutely. of the best conversations we've 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 ever had on here. Absolutely. Um, uh, Thank you, Dick Brubaker. We really appreciate it. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, thanks, Dick. Good to meet you, man. Thank you. So, yeah, that was uh, that was Dick Brubaker. We we he uh, he's good. Um, Yeah, he's a good sport about things. Um, And and listen, he holds his beliefs, man. You know, he has his ideas about things. Uh, We have gone back and forth about stuff, but. Um, you know, I, I consider uh, Dick a friend of mine, mm-hmm. and um, and and he's somebody that I can say, man, this is you're what you're saying is insane. You've got to stop this, and, <laughs> and you know, and he says the same things to me, and it's just, right. and it's it's a good conversation. And I'll say this: no matter how crazy some of his ideas sound, um, I think it's good for you to have a person like that. Uh, in your life somewhere that you can talk mm-hmm. to because it, it, it maybe pulls you away from having uh, similarly crazy things on the other side of the aisle. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. Let, so. let, let, yeah, let me say, man, I, I look, I respect somebody who is able to engage in a dialogue without denigrating to name calling yeah. and pejoratives who disagrees with me. If they have the, co- the courage of their convictions, I respect that. I don't have to agree with them, yeah. but yeah. we can coexist as long as, you know, there's respect. 
Mm-hmm. And and as long as I think the person has a, you know, generally speaking, is an ethical, moral person, even if I don't agree with their points of view. So I, that was a great conversation, man. I well, loved it. I, I, let me say, you, you, you totally won that argument. <laughs> 100%. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not being facetious. Yeah, you killed him. Killed him. Absolutely killed him. Destroyed him. Uh, it, was, it was great. One of, one of the best things I've heard in a long time. It was just, uh, I mean, really, really, it was good. <laughs> nicely done. Nicely, nicely well, done. Well, I enjoyed the exchange. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed See, the exchange. That's what, that's what somebody who wins the argument always said. Really enjoyed that exchange with you. Appreciate you. <laughs> Appreciate you coming on, loser. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Dick, Dick was great, and uh, except for those yeah. early comments, uh, you know, we. Yeah. Well, it's, it's yeah. nice to hear the crazy, you know, and 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 have somebody put it into perspective for you. And and his comments about Trump, I thought were really hilarious. Uh, not mm-hmm. even the prophet. Not even the prophet. The prophet. <laughs> that was hilarious that was when he called him the prophet. Yeah. I just fell out. <laughs> yeah, all right, we're we're gonna slide out of here. Uh, we'll come back, right. wrap this baby up with our right wing nuts of the week, right in a minute. Alabama politics this week. Hey, everybody. If you would uh, like an opportunity to interact with us here at uh, Alabama Politics This Week, uh, we've got a great way for you to do that. Uh, shoot a question over to apwproducer at gmail.com. That's apwproducer at gmail.com. Anything about Alabama politics you want to know about uh, I don't know, what, what everybody likes to drink or uh, where everybody likes to hang out or I mean, whatever, whatever your question may be, uh, what chances the Democrats might have uh, in the uh, the upcoming midterm elections. So shoot us a question over at apwproducer at gmail.com, apwproducer at gmail.com. Thanks. All righty, welcome back in, boys and girls. Uh, Alabama politics this week. Uh, appreciate uh, Dick Brubaker coming on with us and spending some time. It's yep. a fun conversation. Um, wrapping this thing up, though, um, we're going to do, I think we did this a, a few weeks back, uh, where we just kind of made the uh, uh, the topic of the final segment our, also our right-wing nut because they deserved it. And, um, mm-hmm. and we're going to do that again uh, and talk about this because I'll, we're going to make – uh, the the state legislature, um, our our right wing nuts uh, here, and in in total, uh, the right wing nuts of the state legislature are going to be our right wing nuts because, um, they spent a special session uh, had to be called back in, spend our you know our tax dollars to be called back in, uh, because they wanted to spend billions of our tax dollars on prisons, building new prisons uh, that didn't address any of our problems uh, with with our actual correctional problems that we have in the state that we're being sued by the Department of Justice over, in which it's a mind-boggling case. All right, let me tell you how bad that case is, all right, just real quickly here. Mm -hmm. Earlier this week, a a judge had to rule against the state, uh, the state had asked to dismiss some charges in that lawsuit. Um, and one of their defenses was, hey, we're already being sued by the feds for this other for this thing in another case. <laughs> so could we please let this one go? And the one that they were trying to, to get out from under was the understaffing thing that they were being currently sued for and were under another court order about in another case. OK, so that's how we're going with this. Uh, and, and somehow wow. 
despite spending billions of dollars, we're not going to address any of the problems in those lawsuits. So, Mm. but we spent our time and our money uh, to come in and do this great thing. And everybody patted themselves on the back. In the meantime, in the meantime, we have, and by the way, they spent $400 million worth of COVID money uh, to, mm-hmm. in, in the building of these prisons as well. Uh, okay, that. Uh, in the meantime, we have schools across this state. Every single school district across this state is currently facing food shortages. All right. We, we have supply chain issues that are dramatically affecting a lot of our, uh, all of our school systems, but really affecting a few of them to the point where some have closed, have stopped serving lunches. Uh, some are threatening to close the schools uh, because they can't, they can't feed the kids any longer. That affects 700,000 kids, uh, especially the percentage of those kids that who are impoverished and schools are really their only place to get a reliable meal. Uh, and we have known about this. We knew about this months prior uh, to this special ta- session taking place about uh, prisons. We've known about the, the, the dire situations for at least two months now. And yet, when AL.com, and, and God bless them for, for doing the, the work on this uh, and, uh, and making the calls and the folks at the education lab that they've put together over there, uh, they, they do a really good job and a really good service uh, for the state and for public education. Uh, but they called the governor's office and asked the governor's office, what is going on here? What, what have, what's the plan to solve some of these food issues? And essentially, the governor said, um, Wait, huh? You're breaking up. What? Who? Huh? What? What? Maybe, maybe the connection's bad. Maybe you should try to call Ag and Industry and ask them. And Check they, your Wi-Fi. Yeah, and, they, and so they called Ag and Industry, and the Ag and Industry people yeah. were like, "Yeah, what? Um, a plan? <laughs> no, there's no plan." Uh, and so, it, you know, priorities, man, priorities. Uh, I just. You know, I wrote about it and, and essentially said, mm-hmm. you know, basically the only way these kids are going to get a free meal is if they go to prison. Yeah. So. Yeah. And that seems to be the prevailing. I mean, the, the, the disturbing thing about it is that seems to be the prevailing uh, point of view, uh, even if it's not a conscious one or uh, openly admitted. And that is, you know, we don't really care about these students uh, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, we're happy to, but we're happy to feed and clothe them in prison though. You know, yeah. we're happy to do that. We're happy to provide them with a place to stay in prison. But, yeah. you know, if they're impoverished children, you know, living in, 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 uh, you know, dysfunctional circumstances, well, you know, we're not really going to get that involved in that. We'll just, we'll catch them when they get to the prison part of the pipeline, <laughs> Yeah, you know, let's, yeah, it's um yeah, I understand that this is an, a weird situation, okay? It is. It's a it's a it, this is not a situation where somebody said, you know, hell with those kids. We ain't, we ain't feeding them, you know. That's not what happened here, okay? They didn't cut the budget for food or anything like that. 
uh, it's a supply chain deal that, that, that was affected by COVID over the course of many months. And so now, just like you see at a lot of places with stuff that you normally buy at the grocery store or whatever, uh, that, that has been disrupted to some degree. And schools are not able to get a lot of the food that they were able to get previously um, at, or you know to do it easily. But this is affecting schools all across the country. And all across the country, states have come up with ways to mitigate the 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 big problem that they have here to to lessen the damage that's being done to to go out and find solutions to this because they 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 thought about it and said wait we don't want our children to be hungry we we take pride in our education system we would like for these kids to be healthy and fed and to learn because we live in a civilized society and this is some shit that matters to us you know yeah and and what I, and and what I'm attacking Josh is the callousness, the lack of urgency, the lack of prioritizing sure. here. You know, we're prioritizing prisons over yep. dealing with a problem that has the potential to erode and undermine the social the social fabric, the human resources of our very state. Mm-hmm. You know, children are literally our future. Yes. And if we do not invest in our children, in their health and well-being and in their education, then we end up with a state that's going to be dramatically diminished in terms of its capacity to do the things that conservatives say they like to do, make money, you know, build businesses. Well, how are you going to do that with a diminished population? It is is very indicative of of the mindset... um, and the the disconnect that it that exists between our our leaders uh and you know I use that term lightly um yeah um and and the, and the people uh who are out here every day uh you know teaching kids uh, going to work and and uh, it, it's they're it, it there just exists. They don't know, man. You know, and that's that's the problem. Is is so many times here they don't know. We we've elected people who are so out of touch with the the basic reality that's being faced day in day out. Not by not by just black Alabamians or Hispanic Alabamians, but by by you know the working class Alabamians. They're so out of touch with this reality that it, it doesn't even cross their mind that they should do something about this food issue at schools. Because yeah, hell, it's mm-hmm. not affecting their kids that are in the private school, you know? Mm-hmm. Why? You can't feed your kids. Why can't you feed your kids? You know? I mean, that's... Mm-hmm. You know, and it's just... Look, you know, I, cause I, and, and I've gotten this argument since I wrote that column about this. I have gotten this argument uh, uh, at least two dozen times. Why is it the school's responsibility to feed somebody's kids? Well, you know what? It's not the school's responsibility. But we, as a civilized society, have determined that we don't want our children to be hungry, okay? No matter what the cause is, no matter who's to blame for it, ultimately, we don't want children to go hungry every day. And so we have determined that we're going to feed those kids, rightfully so. And we have determined that the best means for doing that is to feed them at school where they all are every day. 
So, yeah. you know, get out yeah. of here with that cop-out nonsense. Is it, you well, know, is it in a perfect world, should every parent feed their kid? Hell yeah, they should. But you know what? If yeah. they're not, what are you going to do? you going to punch the kid? Is it the kid's exactly. fault? Exactly. And, and, I would, and I would bet money. I'd bet all the money I've got in my pocket right now that the people that are challenging you on this are people that probably also claim every Sunday morning in Sunday school to love Jesus and to read the Bible, you know? Mm -hmm. And and we know that the reality is, is that Jesus prioritized children. For those of you who fall into the Jesus camp like I do, you know Jesus prioritized children. Why would you want children to suffer? Why would you stand by idly if you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ and watch children suffer? Why would you even watch the poor adults suffer? You know, yeah. and there's no qualifier in the Bible that says, oh, well, you know, uh, the only poor that that are deserving of our help are poor who couldn't help it. If they if they if they have any kind of, you know, able bodiness or anything then we're not going to help them. Well, you know, the Bible doesn't qualify. It just talks about helping the poor, the poor yeah. period. You know, so my my argument is. You know, stop all of that, that, uh, you know, either stop all of that stonewalling about who deserves help and who doesn't, or stop, you know, parading around telling us what a righteous person you are and what a devout Christian you are. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it, it, you know, I think about a lot of times is, uh, is uh, LeBron James um, uh-huh. and, and, what, and what he did in, in Akron. And what he's doing, not what he did, what he's what he's doing. Yeah, what he's doing now. Yeah. Um uh with with the schools that he that he's created there. And and you know that those schools have they, they don't just feed the kids, they feed anybody in the neighborhood. Um, you know. They they have coat rooms where people can come in the cold months and get coats, you know. They just come get a coat. Come get it. Uh, they have mm-hmm. free. Uh, they have free areas uh, uh, for food that they can come and get and get food if they don't have enough things there. Uh, in a food pantry. Um, and you know, I, it just is that, that dude is is vilified. You know, for 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 speaking out about injustices and about the way people are treated. You know, when in reality, he's doing what every single person should do. Um, yeah. Here is stand up and have in in certain cases have has has he said something that was maybe misguided or misplaced at, at times maybe but I'll tell you this I would much rather have a person who who says something that is misguided and misplaced when he's coming at it from uh from a mindset of protecting the least of these uh yeah. than 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 anywhere else and that's what he's done throughout his career and I'm mean, he's not the only one there are other people out there that that have done no. this as well uh, but. Yeah, that's what I think about is, is that, mm-hmm. you know, and while we're sitting here, you know, patting each other on the back for building bigger prisons and, um, you know, and in the meantime, kicking the can on, on this, the school situation and pretending that, well, there's just no solution to this uh, when nobody has even really tried. It, it's just, it, it's really, it's really disheartening and frustrating and, and, you know, oh, infuriating in a lot of ways. Yeah. You mentioned LeBron James, and I'll, I'll just quickly say, and let's not forget that LeBron James didn't grow up in privilege. He right. grew up the parent, the child of a single mother, and, and, they, and they were not rich or wealthy by any stretch of the imagination. So here's somebody 
who understands the value of a hand up. Here's somebody who appreciates on a personal level the impact that charity can have in transforming a life. Yep. And and he is doing God's work in ways that many of these so-called churches and Christian communities are not doing yeah. because of what he's doing. And what he's doing, by the way, is going to transform probably a generation of children in his hometown. Going to yeah. transform that generation. Uh, Who knows how many doctors, lawyers, teachers, entrepreneurs, you know, and others will be created because of what he's doing for those children. It's, um, it is truly, truly what his life, is one of the most amazing stories in all of sports mm -hmm. forever. Mm -hmm. uh, um, what he, what he, what he, where he came from, uh, how he was adored and, uh, you know, and everybody anointed him King James from the time he was 12 or 14 years old. Um, there is no way, no way that that man should be what he is and have the attitude that he has being treated like that from such a young age. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, he had people throwing things at him from the time he was, you know, 10 years old, uh, you mm -hmm. know, giving him free stuff, telling him it was the greatest. Uh, and, and in the, he, he should, I mean, literally, he should be a, a cautionary tale, uh, you know, given how this all went down, but he has been, you know, it's just, I, I talk about him all the time because I, you know, I've just seen, I've covered so many people over the course of, of years in, in newspaper writing, especially sports writing that, that had these, these advantages and things given to them at an early age, especially kids who didn't have anything like he did, uh, you know, cause he was very poor, uh, growing up and, and it just, it turns out so horribly, uh, for him to come out of that, uh, take it, you know, take his friends with him, uh, to, you know, become a successful businessman because that's exactly what he is, is a successful, very successful yeah. businessman uh, yeah. and, and make smart decisions, uh, married his high school sweetheart, have got, you know, got kids, you know, the kids together and uh, seems to be a, a fantastic father. I've seen him in Birmingham at, um, at, you know, different events with his young kids there with their AAU teams and stuff. I mean, mm. he just, you know, he's involved in, with them and, and that seems to be like what his pride is, is, is going with those kids. The same as, as Russell Westbrook with his kids and uh, and so it, it just it, it just is a fantastic story and then to add to that the giving back to the community and stuff and you know I know we're off I'm off on a tangent here with this but it's it's just you know you don't get a chance to say it very much and it, it just mm -hmm. is really one of the greatest stories that I've ever seen in, in all of sports and and he doesn't get the and, you know people hate him for his political views or whatever and, and and so his story sometimes just does not get the respect that it deserves I think but no you're right you're right so our right wing nuts are the Alabama oh, legislature oh, oh, oh. yeah our Alabama's legislature and and really that's every week but especially this time Especially mm -hmm. this time. So. Well, listen, we've given you the greatest show you've ever heard. Um, so, <laughs> well, <laughs> hey, 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 they don't we know. A, we could be. We did a good job. We did a yeah. good job. We did. We, we did a good well, job. We did enough to get paid this week. So, all right. Let's, uh, <laughs> and that's important. That's important. Yeah, really, really, that's the goal. You know, once we pass that, everything else is just bonus for you people. <laughs> 
uh, yeah, once we figure out we've done enough to get paid, we usually just stop. So, uh, <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, our thanks to, uh, to to Dick Brubaker for coming on, and uh, till next week, y'all be safe out there. Hi, this is David Person with Alabama Politics This Week. You know, Josh and I have a lot of fun doing this podcast, and we also try to keep it very informational with newsmaker interviews, and and we try to do our research, too, before we get on here and pontificate. I hope that you find the podcast informative and entertaining. So if you do, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to rate us subscribe to us and review us on your favorite podcasting platform, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever it is you're using to listen to us. Please do that. That will help us to move up in the rankings and also to uh, get more people to tune in. So if you're a fan of Alabama politics this week, I hope you'll do that for us. Thanks.